Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. Some stories are just stories. But what happens when the military is asked to do an in-depth study on one of those stories? Is it something that we ignore? Or can it be that many of the UFO sightings since 1947 actually hold weight? Now Paratruth presents Project Blue Book. How's it going, Parafans? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. And my name is Justin. And I'm Eric. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, if you don't know us by now, if you're tuning in for the very first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, We are a part of what is now called the Paratruth Radio Network, even though we only have a single show. But it's the flagship show of Truth Radio Network. Yeah. We didn't have a single show, but now we do. Right. For various um, reasons. But, uh, so, brand new week, uh, brand new episode. What's going on for the week for you? Anything exciting? Uh, not particularly. Um, classes are pretty, you know, simple this week, homework-wise. So, I'm pretty much taking a little bit of a break this week, kind of, just kind of relaxing. It's before, This is the fourth weekend back into school, and it's kind of getting crazy already. So it's kind of nice just taking a, having a moment to step back and take a breather. Um, beside that, there is some interesting different things. Uh, one thing in particular is that there is a new competition, film competition coming up. Uh, you guys remember I had mentioned a, a few weeks ago, or more than a few weeks ago now, but uh, that I did something called the 48-Hour Film Festival, in which you shoot something, you know, write, shoot, and edit something within 48 hours. Well, now there's another one called the 72-Hour Film Festival, but instead of having an entire crew, you only get to work with three people. It's only you and two others. Uh, you got 72 hours to do pretty much everything that a 20-person crew should be should be doing. Uh, so... Me and some of you know Lewis, uh, who was on the show a while back, have been talking about it, might be doing that uh, in November. So there's something new. Um, another thing that's new is last weekend, the Liberty University held their Cinematic Arts Film Festival. Uh, and to my great surprise, the reveal was actually nominated for three different awards. It was nominated. Uh, I was nominated for Best Actress, also for Best Sound Design, Mm. and it was uh, also nominated for Best BFX, uh, which, you know, it's FX. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, we didn't win any of them, but considering there's somewhere between 35 and 40 films and we came out in the top three, it's pretty awesome. Yep. So, you know... If anything, it kind of inspires me to keep pushing forward, look forward to the next festivals, and of course, get into the next film project. So, yeah. What about you, man? What's going on? Not a whole lot. Uh, after submitting the story to the um, Armageddon book, I haven't written anything in the past week or so. So, going to start a new project soon. So, I will keep you guys informed as soon as. That happens as well as where you can find it if it even uh, is findable anywhere. Findable anywhere. Findable. Findable. <laughs> so, uh, 
So, yeah, a lot of great stuff coming for you guys from individual Pear Truth hosts. So <laughs> stay tuned for that. Uh, but uh, this week on Pear Truth Radio, we have a new subject for you guys. As we announced last week, it's going to be about uh, Project Blue Book. And uh, this is another one that was brought up by Eric, so I'm going to let Eric take the... Uh, the mic and Eric tell you guys a little bit. <laughs> take, tell you guys a little bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> all right. So, Project Blue Book. You know, it actually came to my attention uh, about a month ago. I think it it was, but it was about a month ago. I think uh, there was a specific video released online, and a friend of our ours released it or shared it on Facebook, and that's where mm-hmm. I came across it. And it turned out that a few of my other friends also you know, who are into the paranormal, came across the same video. And it's a video that is called uh, Alien Interview, Secrets of Universe Revealed, Project Blue Book. Um, it's basically a video of an alien being interviewed by an undisclosed individual uh, in an undisclosed area because everything is black and there's a single light on the alien. It's kind of your typical movie look when it comes to uh, I don't want to say interview. There's another term for it. Um, uh, oh, interrogation. Interrogation, yes. It, it, that's basically what it is. It's an interrogation. And this video, I have to admit, looks pretty interesting. Uh, the footage... I was a little skeptical about to begin with, just the way the alien looks, uh, the clarity of the alien, considering that this particular interview took place in 1964. The video feed is awfully darn good. Also, just the way the the mouth of the alien moved and the breathing of the alien, so on and so forth. So that's the first thing. Second thing is, I wasn't sure about the actual interview, the words being you know, shared back and forth. It just seemed, I know, as a Christian, it, it seemed way off, you know, obviously. Uh, just because it, it talks about basically that they're not being a god and that uh, this alien is an advancement of the human race, uh, an evolutionary advancement, and so on and so forth. And it's just like, well, something doesn't seem right here. <clears throat> now, some of my buddies thought that maybe the footage itself is fake, but that the audio is real. And so that someone just came across the audio, decided to create something with some video and put the two together. Real audio, fake video. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, that's possible. You know, I, I could I could see that. However, I just had to do a little digging, do a little research. As you guys know, uh, we in the paranormal community, at least for Justin and I, are really into trying to debunk things. We won't say that something is what it is until we know whether or not it is what it is. If, um, and even if we sense. can prove it all it is is weird it's not just because you can't prove that it, it's not or that it's if you can't prove that it's fake that still doesn't mean that it's real it's just weird and unproven until right. you get some type of knowledge of those videos of a particular picture anything that you're doing research on until you get all that knowledge and can say absolutely yes or no Unproven is still weird and unexplained, but is it still evidence? No. It, it's right. just one of those weird things that somebody came across. Right. And so with that said, like I, I started doing some research. Folks, you got to do research when, when you're looking into these things. There's a couple of things that right off the bat threw me. As I had mentioned, it was the clarity of the footage. Mm-hmm. The way the alien's mouth moved when it spoke, it just, the words didn't mesh quite right. Right. Uh, especially because the alien didn't seem to have lips. So some of the words he pronounced couldn't have been pronounced. Uh, and then also the actual audio just seemed a little too clear for 1964. I could be wrong on that, but it seemed a little too clear uh, when, when matched up to other mm-hmm. Audio. Now, now this is supposedly a government facility, so they could have a much better audio system, et cetera, et cetera. Fine. I'm willing to let that go. However, 
What really got me is when I went to the YouTube channel, I noticed that it was uploaded by a YouTube user by the name of Many Things. So I decided to do some research into Many Things. I clicked on the user, ended up finding a bunch of other videos that are related to aliens, UFOs, extraterrestrial type stuff. Well, I ended up finding some videos that seemed to sync along with this one. Uh, the first one that I had noticed uh, was took place like June 6th, 1964. Looks super animated. Clearly animated. No question about it. Uh, then this one in June 9th was the last one. There may have been another one. I didn't see anything else. But nonetheless, I found many things website. And I said, you know what, Eric? Let's go take a look at their website. Let's see if uh, my thoughts are true. And sure enough, folks, for those of you who thought that this this uh, alien interview uh, that, that was brought on by Project Blue Book, it, for those of you who thought it was real, well, I'd like to tell you who published it. It was published by many things. They are a feature production company, a f- full-featured production company that supports the original animated and live-action work of a specific director, I'm not going to give out names, which includes feature films, TV spots, music videos, and visual effects. They were founded in 2000. That in and of itself clarifies a ton. It's a production company. And when you look at some of the other things they've done, they're really into animations, and it's, it's not a legitimate source for, you know, something that's supposedly was made up by the... or. Uh, Produced by the government and then released. So I do have to say it was a pretty good video. It was a good video, it absolutely was. Uh, but nonetheless, it is a fake video. So for those of you out there who are scared or think it's awesome that there's an well, no, it's real. It's, it's still real. a video. Well, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, but those of you who think the alien interview was real, uh, I'd hate to burst your bubble, but no, it's not. It's a fake. So keep on looking, folks. Maybe one day you'll get your real alien. Today's not that day. But that brought up this whole thing about Project Blue Book because it actually is a very interesting topic when I started looking into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Project Blue Book was basically started after the 1947 Roswell incident. Now, we all know about the 1947 Roswell thing. Uh, Kind of a big big deal, you know, especially in uh, the UFO culture. Even today. It really is. You know, it's, I consider it the movement of ufologists, you know, or in that field. Yeah, it's what sparked the, there might have been some kind of uh, interest in it prior to this crash because people were seeing stuff falling out of the sky or what they thought was a UFO, but it was really a meteorite, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is what kind of started a huge movement into research of not just UFOs, but extraterrestrials. Right. Absolutely. Um, so the first thing that I would like to just point out that, that there are, or there were actually other projects in the works, uh, as of 1947, the first one was called project sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second one was in 1949 called project grudge. So, after signing Grudge, the Air Force, the United States Air Force, Air Force was, uh, I guess, pushed by the CIA to start up a new project, and the project was called Project Blue Book. And CIA that pushing projects? No, no, never. Yeah. So it started in 1952 and ended around 1969. Uh, stuff, you know, ultimately it wasn't. A lot of the stuff wasn't released until 1970, but it didn't have full declassification until 1979. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, by the way, when I say declassification, it's kind of cool because you can actually go onto the archives, the U.S. government archives, and look at all of the, of the reports that Project Blue Book had taken in. And, by the way, it's a lot of reports, uh, yeah. 12,618 total. So if you guys are bored, you can go to the... <laughs> You know, archives of the U.S. government archives and check it out. But uh, <clears throat> actually, Project Blue, Project Blue Book has its own website now. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. <laughs> but if it's not a .gov, I don't know how true we can believe. Uh, you know, yeah, how true, true some of that stuff is. Project Blue Book began around 1962. It actually began exactly like around 19. 19- 
1952, I'm sorry, began around 1951, but the transition, you know, before everything came together was 1952. It was headquartered at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which Justin and I both know pretty well. Yeah. It's so in it Ohio, in our backyard. <laughs> yep, it's in our backyard. Uh, also happens to be the place that supposedly... Uh, they took the the uh, UFO from the 1947 Roswell crash eventually. Um, now, there were a whole lot of sightings in 1952, and because of it, President S. Truman, Harry S. Truman, actually feared an outbreak of hysteria over the issue. And that's why in 1953, as I had said, the CIA responded by assembling an expert of scientists that were uh, headed by a physicist by the name of H.P. Robertson of the California Institute of Technology to discuss the entire issue of the UFO. Uh, and some of this info that we're giving you is from a number of different uh, sites. Uh, so the particular information I'm giving you guys right now is from history.com. So if you guys want to check it out for yourself, you can. There's a bunch of info on there. Um, but, yeah, as we're going through, we'll just tell you where some of our sources are coming from, uh, just so you don't think we're just that brilliant. We're coming up and... Making this stuff off the top of our head, we're not. And the links will be in the show notes as well, guys. If you uh, want to look at any of these websites that we came across, just uh, look at the show notes. They'll be right there for you. Right. Well, so this uh, Robertson panel, which is what they called it, the Robertson panel, ended up meeting for about three days. And during that time, they interviewed military officers and, of course, different Blue Book officials, uh and we need different like videos and photos of these supposed UFOs. Well, in the end, they ended up coming across their uh, or, or extending their hypothesis that the UFOs really didn't pose any security threat whatsoever to the United States. And they found that about 90 percent of the sightings, according to the Robertson panel, could be attributed to either astrological or meteorological activity or to man-made things like balloons or searchlights, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that's only 90%, which is what happens to the other 10%. Well, that other 10% is considered unidentified. They have no means to of explaining what it is. They're not going to say it's alien or that it's extraterrestrial. They're also not going to say that it was man-made. It's simply up in the air. We don't know. Uh, so that's really up to you guys. You know, I know a lot of you out there are going to be like, oh, then it must be aliens, but not necessarily. It's just unexplained. Not necessarily. Yeah. Right. They, they uh, don't call said, them unexplained though, flying objects because they're, they're alien technology that they're just right. unidentified. They don't know what it is. They can't identify what it is. So it's an unidentified flying object. Uh, doesn't mean extraterrestrials are flying around in saucers being like, Hey, what up? Government, glad you're watching. Nothing like that. <laughs> right. But yeah, so Project Blue Book compiled reports of around 12,618 UFO sightings uh, or different related events. Of the 12,618, as I mentioned, there are 90% of those were identified. The other 10% was actually a total of 700 incidents. That's a lot, you know, for 10%. Uh, but they remain unidentified even to this day. Uh, and then in 1966... Uh, there was a request by the Air Force that another committee look at 59 other UFO sightings, which was also investigated by Project Blue Book. Uh, so the Air Force requested that, in 1966, the Air Force requested another committee to look at 59 other UFO sightings by Project Blue Book. All right. It was headed by Dr. Edward Condon, and it was based at the University of Colorado. Now, after their examination of the reports, they de- or the sightings, they decided to tell the Air Force to stop investigations into UFO-related incidents uh, because they found absolutely no unusual activity whatsoever. So here we are today. Which is UFO odd just- when they found some that were unexplained, but that's not <laughs> unusual that the, they can't explain what it is. Right. Well, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because how many things we look at on a daily basis and we can't always explain the things that we see or the things that we hear um, – I know it sounds weird, but there's a lot of things that we we notice that's just unexplainable throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, such as just how exactly does the earth and everything else remain so close to each other without breaking, you know, or without like colliding together or separating or so on and so forth. 
Um, and I know there's scientific explanation to it all, but in the end, it's like, how? Just how? Yeah, you can say gravity does this, it does that, and blah, 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 but how? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I but, got one explanation. What's that? God did it. <laughs> that is probably the best explanation I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I mean, they, you can explain to me scientifically until you're blue in the face. I'm still not going to understand what the V equals M times. Exactly. <laughs> Guys, I've got a bachelor's in cinematic arts. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> I don't care about your science. I mean, I think science is cool, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> so God did it is just kind of the, the easy answer for me. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> so as I was looking through some of these things, I tried finding a number of different studies. I had trouble finding actual studies or uh, not, not studies, uh, Reports? Reports, yeah, different reports. I had trouble finding reports. Did you find any? Uh, well, the the Project Blue Book webs, uh, website or somebody who had dedicated a website to it's bluebookarchive.org. Okay. Um, it has the entire report on there. I did not read th- through the entire report because uh, yeah. I, I don't have enough time in the day to read 1,500 reports. But it does have... Uh, it's got 25 pages, roughly six pages to to a a, pa- a page of that 25 pages. So I'm pretty sure it's all there. It it could be just kind of cut up as well. Uh, but I also came across um, some pictures that were in the the Project Blue Book on Dig.com, and it's kind of interesting to see what some of these people had come across when they were doing photographs. And I'm looking down, guys, so that I can review my notes uh, here on my phone. But uh, there was one in 1951 uh, with Lubbock, Texas, where it's, it almost looks like, and they explain this in the notes, a V, a duck V, basically, mm-hmm. and that the way that they explained this away was it was ducks and then lights were reflecting off of their uh, plumes on the bottom and at, at nighttime when the picture was being taken. Uh, there's one here where they tried to recreate it because it was a 14-year-old boy that had taken the picture during a sweep of sightings in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, this one kind of made me chuckle because the picture is kind of um, distorted and the explanation that they give is the image on the right was likely distorted due to radiation from a UFO or because cameras in the 1950s were just never good. <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> so... <laughs> Pretty good, funny explanation there. Uh, one that they came across had some flathead screws on it, which would explain to me that no, it's not as far as we know an extraterrestrial type of UFO. Uh, but they did say that it does match bombs, uh, or warheads from, from missiles back in the 19, in 1962. Um, let's see here. There was one in Omaha, Nebraska, where it's a flash of light going across the sky, almost like some, looks like a meteorite is, is falling. Um, okay. there's one in Santa Ana, California, that there's something hovering, but, uh, they figured out that the photos were a hoax. Uh, 1951 in New Zealand. They took a picture of a what we now know as a lenticular cloud, but back in 1950, as this little uh, caption says, if you saw that in 1950 with the scare of UFOs everywhere, you're going to think, holy crap, there's a UFO up there, so we're going to take a picture of it. Right. Uh, a couple of other interesting ones. The one that – another one that kind of got me – 
laughing was uh, December 27th, 1954, Bronx, New York. And after I looked at the picture and then read the caption, it kind of <laughs> makes a little sense what this guy is saying. Uh, it says, it does look a bit like someone hung their toy submarine from a string and took a picture of it, but we can't tell for sure. And if you look at it, it almost looks like a submarine that is flying through the sky. So some interesting pictures for sure as well. Before we go any further, uh, I think we're going to take our first break here, folks. You are listening to Paratruth Radio right here on the Paratruth Radio Network. We will be right back after Eric's random fact of the day. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. Did you know that the first electric traffic signal was installed in my hometown? According to History.com, there have been competing claims as to who was responsible for the world's first traffic signal. A device installed in London in 1868 featured semaphore arms that extended horizontally to signal stop and at a 45 degree angle to signal caution. Then in 1912, a police officer in Salt Lake City, Utah, mounted a handmade wooden box with red and green lights on a pole, with wires attached to trolley and light wires. Inventor Garrett Morgan has prominently been given credit for having invented the traffic signal based on his T-shaped design that was patented in 1923 that was later sold to General Electric. However, it was a system that was installed in Cleveland, Ohio on August 5, 1914, that is widely regarded as the first electric traffic signal. It was designed by James Hodge, who received a patent for his municipal traffic control system in 1918. It consisted of four pairs of red and green lights that served as stop-and-go indicators, each mounted on a corner post. It was wired to a manually operated switch inside a control booth and was configured so that conflicting signals were impossible. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been talking about the Project Blue Book that the U.S. Air Force did back in the 1950s up to around 1970-ish area. Uh, one thing that I was just talking about before the break here was uh, pictures that were in the Project Blue Book document. Um, <laughs> what What are your thoughts on just what I said? Do you think a lot of these could have been faked back then? Do you think it was a little bit harder back then compared to now? I don't... I mean, everything's like going to be harder back then than it is now. Uh, just just with the technology that we have, you know, CGI, like the film video we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even still, like back then, War of the Worlds, you know, is one of the you know, older films that had come out back then, and they still did a pretty darn good job with, with how it looks. Um, and actually, that was started as a radio broadcast that scared yeah, the crap out of people. Wills. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's always, I mean, there's always been fakes. There's always been people who have been capable of faking uh, these things, you know, and, and just uh, creating things to look like UFOs. 
people are artistic. I mean, when you look at all the old monster films or the uh, sci-fi films, those are all done by people who actually built the products, who actually designed the UFOs and this mm-hmm. and that. And sure, uh, you know, there are streams that you can see in some. Like, you, I think of the old uh, uh, Twilight Zone stuff, you know, where there's something flying and then right. you can see this thread, <laughs> you know, that's holding it and stuff. But, you know, still, it's it, it's pretty, they can do pretty good work. Uh, Godzilla, think of Godzilla. There has not been a single Godzilla made uh, in Japan that hasn't been worn by a guy. Godzilla's yeah. always been a guy in a suit. <laughs> but yet, they do a pretty good job making making it look big and real. Mm-hmm. Everything they use, nothing's CGI. It's all models, you know. Uh, so yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's easier nowadays. But I think there's been plenty of of incidents in which these UFOs were indeed, that were documented, were indeed fake. Um, but, you know, some of them are just unexplainable. Uh, you know, like you said, and you can't ex- can't explain the unexplainable, so right. we can only do so much with those. Right. So you, as far as you know, didn't come across anything on the report itself? Like, you didn't see which, any of the report for the Project Blue Book? Oh. No, you know, I didn't come across many of the, uh, for the reports itself. Um, you know, the only thing I really came across that was kind of interesting was based on the 47 Roswell crash. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I have seen this, I think with, uh, it might be in Jesse Marcel's book. Uh, it might not be. I don't, I can't remember. It looks familiar. But in this particular, it's a snapshot mm-hmm. of the original documentation, which is the same thing you would see on, uh, bluebookarchive.com and also you can find snapshots basically of uh, most at least of Project Blue Book on vault.fbi.gov uh, it's actually the FBI's website and they have everything there for you as well but it's said in the report for the 1947 Roswell crash that the object appeared to be disc shaped but that the disc was hanging or appeared to be hanging from a balloon, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for those of us you know who know about the 1947 Roswell crash, or at least have heard about it on this on this show or elsewhere, uh, the U.S. government originally came out and said that it was a, indeed a UFO, and then the very next day came out again and said, we were wrong, it's actually a weather balloon. Mm-hmm. Well, in the report, there is no clarification of it being an unidentified flying object. It clearly states that it was a disc connected to a balloon. And well, as it turns out, according to this particular uh, report, the disc was actually a radar uh, of some sort that was connected to the weather balloon. And hence, you know, and when you look at some of the material, it makes sense to an extent. Uh, the fact that some of the material was very flimsible and pliable, et cetera, et cetera, uh, but indestructible, they say. And, of course, indestructible people could be very, you know, they, they could be a little overzealous when it comes to saying something's indestructible because it, they just might mean it's really tough. You know, it's mm-hmm. tough stuff. You can't tear it by your hands. I'd imagine a weather balloon has to be pretty darn resilient to just about everything, you know, in order to stay as high as it does in the atmosphere. So that in and of itself was really interesting to me because everyone I've talked to regarding the Roswell incident has come out and said, I'm 100% sure it's an, it was a UFO, like an extraterrestrial vehicle, mm. and that there were aliens found and so on and so forth. But there was no report of aliens being found, supposedly, according to the one single document that I read and from the numerous uh, information that I've read on Project Blue Book and on that particular uh, case. So that I think I found really interesting because we've been researching this now for goodness gracious, probably nine years, nearly Mm -hmm. eight years, uh, for as long as we've been doing the show. It's been eight years, and I just now find the evidence that doesn't really support any of the views that I originally had. Instead, it kind of crushes them. But so a little disappointing. Yeah, go ahead. If a person writing that particular report is told by his higher-ups, this is what you're going to put in there, you will not put in there that it was a UFO. You will not put in there that 
we recovered bodies, then they're going to put in there exactly what they're told to put in there. Well, now the problem with that, though, is that this was all classified information at the time. So they would have had to, you know, store this information somewhere somehow. Uh, and they never planned on it being declassified. So that's something to take into consideration. I mean, you need to have some kind of documentation somewhere. It can't just be like, oh, here, we're going to keep this in our, between you and I, that there's aliens, and then no one else will ever know because it just doesn't make sense. You know, you're going to want to keep that information. If you don't tell anybody else and an aliens come and attack and you don't warn anyone because you're dead, <laughs> I mean, so you, you got to hold that information somewhere. Now, I see what you're saying, though. I, that is a possibility. But I don't know. I just don't know if I'm necessarily fully with you on that or that view. And that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of whole point of our show. Well, yeah. I mean, when they spell it out to you and then you start questioning it, then all you can say is, well, now it's kind of unexplained again because right. you've got the two different sides of the story. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to address that anymore because, I mean, as you said, everybody we've interviewed are saying 100%, yeah, you know, these this was a UFO as in extraterrestrial craft. There were bodies found. There were bodies removed. Uh, and I really need to get a hold of Kevin Randall because he's he is from the military. He does have a lot of... Uh, knowledge about this and research about this. So I will have to get him on to talk about it a little bit. Um, not necessarily the U- the Roswell crash, but uh, <laughs> UFOs in general. Uh, but doing research into the Project Blue Book, it kind of sparked a, a memory for me. And I remembered doing research on a man named Bob Lazar. Do you know who Bob Lazar is? I uh, can't think of who he is, but I know the name. Okay. He worked, supposedly, he worked at Area 51, and he was the one working on UFO technology, mm-hmm. uh, trying to decipher UFO technology from, I, I, I don't remember if it was the craft from the, the Roswell incident, but it was a, a UFO that we recovered, supposedly. Uh A lot of people are pointing towards this guy is legit, you know, he is 100% the one that was at Area 51 doing this research. Uh, there have been people that try to discredit him, so I'm not 100% sure if he really did do that or if it was a hallucination he had. I don't know. I haven't done all the research on it. But it was interesting to see that as far as it's proven, supposedly there was a rumor that he had died. But from all the research that I've seen, you know, he's not dead. Somehow he just vanished into thin air. Um, so it was kind of interesting that, that this particular uh, subject sparked my memory into Bob Lazar. Uh, what else did you come across as far as... Uh, I mean, because obviously now it's common knowledge. They, they released it to the National Archives. Everybody can read it for themselves. Was there anything secrecy wise that you came across like why were why were they trying to keep this from the public right away I, I mean obviously first thought to me is they don't want public hysteria on their hands but right. uh, what else did you come across well nothing else really that's pretty much the main logistics of it is that they were worried about public hysteria we know what can happen if the public goes crazy uh, they start rioting. They start, you know, stealing stuff because they think they need water and food, but they're not willing to pay for it because they're in a rush and so on and so forth. People start committing suicide because they don't want to have to deal with aliens uh, invading them. Yeah, you laugh. It's funny, but this is the kind of thing that happened when Orson Welles started, you know, right. did his radio transmission. You know, people were that messed up. Uh, so naturally, they decided to keep everything under wrap because you can't come out. Here's the, here's the problem with doing research, and you and I both know it because we do research on a daily basis or at least on a mm-hmm. weekly basis uh, for the radio show. Some of the information you gather in one moment at one moment will change at another, and then you have to decipher between the two and decide what exactly is real and what exactly is fake. Now, if you and I did our research 
every day as we were discussing this stuff, we would be very contradictory. We would contradict everything we say because we'd find something that says one thing here, something else that says something else here, you know, so on and so forth, and constantly change our minds back and forth. Mm-hmm. So naturally, doing research for Project Blue Book, they need to keep the things under wraps because if they say, oh, there's 12,000 plus uh, UFO sightings, and so far each and every one looks like it's an alien, well, now you got a problem. And then you come back later and say, oh, wait, now there's 90% that aren't alien, but the other 10%, we're not sure. We're not now people like, well, now they're pulling on our leg. They're just trying to hide stuff. So, yeah, you know, they're going to keep things a secret until they have everything set and clarified uh, to the best of their ability before being released. And the fact that it was declassified eventually in 1979 fully kind of shows that, the you know, the military and or the government is willing to at least show what their research came, you know, what they find in their research. Uh, now, couldn't some of this stuff, again, be manipulated? Sure, it can be. Uh, does it does, does it clarify that, you know, these, these other 700 incidents were alien or not alien by nature? No, we don't know. Um, right now, as of today, 2016, we have no clue whether or not aliens really exist. Mm-hmm. Now, we have presidents who claim that they're going to reveal such information before they're out of office or as soon as they get into office. But those could just be a way to get to some of these, you know, ufologists or, you know, people in the paranormal community who are interested. I mean, let's face it, UFO conspiracy is one of the biggest conspiracies probably in the country, if not the world, you know, more so than Bigfoot even. Because not everyone's out in the out in the woods, you know, but everyone's looking up at the sky. Right. So, well, something that kind of falls into that. I came across this article. I didn't get a chance to do research on it, uh, but it was basically saying NASA has come out saying yes, extraterrestrials are real. Whoops. We thought you guys knew that, so we didn't say anything. <laughs> I don't know if it's if it's a true article. I did not get a chance to research it before the show this week. But uh it was kind of interesting because it's like, yeah, there's aliens out there, but with all the hype about it, we just thought everybody knew. Sorry. <laughs> so it, well, it was a weird article. Sounds like it. But, you know, in that case, then bring this up. When Neil Armstrong went to the moon, and I know folks, some of you out there don't believe he went to the moon. And we talked about this last week. We talked about it last week. I do believe it. But when he was out there and the number of other astronauts that have gone out there, technically, they're Martians. Technically speaking. They also could be considered extraterrestrial because they're outside of Earth. So what exactly is an extraterrestrial? What exactly is an alien? What exactly is a Martian? Now, obviously, we have a very specific description and definition of what that is based on our own conceptions, which have been kind of thrown at us through the media, whether it be radio or television or movies. Mm-hmm. But would we have come up with that on our own? Now, some of you will say, yeah, because in archaeological sites, there have been writings, hieroglyphs, et cetera, et cetera, that prove that there have been some kind of ancient alien race that have come down and talked to those people. Mm. But, again, these are just hieroglyphs and certain writings. We don't have physical proof whatsoever. These people, mind you, there are many tribes uh, around the country, tribes, people groups, et cetera, et cetera, whose religion is practiced while smoking or drinking things that will cause delusions. So, you know, some of these writings could simply be a matter of the mind that people are seeing due to an alcohol or a drug-related substance that is in their body and therefore not really seeing aliens whatsoever. It's just their mind making up these aliens or these beings. So, you know, these are things that you have to put forward and not solely rely on the writing themselves, but start to do the research and understand the people group itself before moving into a deeper conclusion as to what these writings mean. 
So I don't know. That's just something I'm throwing out there. It's something you got to be, you know, specifically, uh, I, I guess, vigilant of. Well, I agree in the extent that do the research before you come to your own conclusion. Uh, what what was happening to these people during their uh, religious uh, walks or whatever? They could have been hallucinating. They they could have been visited by aliens. We weren't alive back then. We don't know for sure. Do I believe in the whole ancient aliens theory? Yes and no. To an extent, I I can see where people are coming from, but I don't. Without any evidence, as you were saying, that like the technology that we supposedly had and then lost, and all this came from extraterrestrials, there's no proof because none of that technology is, or a lot of the, that technology is not around anymore. So uh, where did it go? Nobody knows. It's it's just right. gone. All right, folks, we're going to take our second and last break of the evening. You are listening to Paratruth Radio, and we are talking about Project Blue Book. We'll be right back for more discussion after Justin's Paranormal Headlines. And now, Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. How's it going, Parafans? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines. And these headlines are from AlteredDimensions.net. 6% of world's total inventory of aluminum found hidden under tarps in remote Mexican desert. A California businessman suspected something was awry, so he hired a private pilot to fly over a factory in a remote desert near the Mexican town of San Jose Iturbide. What he found was startling. Nearly 1 million metric tons of aluminum stacked in some cases several stories high and covered with tarp and bales of hay. The cache is heavily guarded and the property surrounded by high walls and razor wire fencing. The aluminum on the site represents about 6% of the world's total aluminum inventory and is estimated to be worth over $2 billion. The cash is suspected to be owned by one of by one of China's richest men, Lu Zongtian, billionaire owner of China Zongwang Holdings. It is believed that Zongtian routed the aluminum through Mexico in order to avoid U.S. trade tariffs. There is enough aluminum in the cash to make 2.2 million Ford F-150 pickup trucks. Others believe he may have been trying to corner the market by hoarding the world's aluminum supply. Zongtian claims he knows nothing about the desert cache of aluminum. Has Russia's Vladimir Putin or, or presidential opponent Donald Trump secretly poisoned Hillary Clinton? Given Hillary Clinton's apparent ill health through the latter half of her campaign, one man has proposed that Clinton may have been secretly poisoned either by Russian President Vladimir Putin or Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump. The proposition sounds outlandish, except the man issuing the proposal is none other than Bennett Amalu, the notorious forensic pathologist and subject of the movie Concussion, who pummeled the NFL into submission over his discovery of chronic traumatic encephalopathy in the brains of deceased players. Skeptics thought Amalu was crazy then, too until he proved them wrong. Yesterday, Amalu tweeted, I must advise the Clinton campaign to perform toxicological analysis of Miss Clinton's blood. It is possible she's being poisoned. His accusation was met with skepticism until some remembered that Putin was already implicated in the poisoning death of Alexander Litvinenko in London in 2006. At that time, the Washington Post reported, although the inquiry stops short of conclusively blaming Putin, noting the opaque nature of Kremlin politics, it finds that there is strong circumstantial evidence that the Russian state was responsible for Mr. Litvinenko's death. Inciting the high-stakes nature of an operation to assassinate a former KGB officer on British soil, it finds that the operation would probably not have gone ahead without Putin's direct approval. 
After suffering from the effects of blood clots in 1998, 2009, and again in 2012, we are quite certain Hillary Clinton has been prescribed Coumadin, a powerful blood thinner prescribed to help prevent blood clots, strokes, and heart attacks. The drug produces a long list of potential side effects including blurred vision, chest pain, confusion, dizziness, headaches, and paralysis. A laundry list of after effects that could easily mask the effects of a number of difficult to trace poisons. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's up, folks? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we were discussing Project Blue Book. This was a, a, a research project, we'll call it project, by, because I guess it is project, you know, Project Blue well, Book. Well, yeah, you would, you you would know. think. <laughs> uh, but it was, it, was, uh, it was an endeavor by the United States Air Force. Those of you who have tuned in this week and listened, I hope you have gotten a lot of information because we share a lot of stuff. It's, yeah. it, there's a lot of stuff out there in regards to Project Blue Book. Uh, you know, we debunked a couple of things. We had a little friendly debate. Debate, yes, I guess that's the word to use about it. <clears throat> but nonetheless, you know, in the end, it's really up to you guys. I mean, do the research yourself. There's plenty on Project Blue Book. You could uh, check out some of the sources that we had mentioned. Again, some of these sources will be available to you uh, it, it, at our webs at our website in the probably, show notes. Yeah, in the show notes. Um, so check it out. You know, a lot of this stuff dot org. So it's not Wikipedia. Uh, although Wikipedia technically is a dot org, but uh, well, Wikipedia compared to these other sites, yeah, anybody can you know, go in there. Anybody <laughs> can go in, right? But you know, we got bluebookarchive.org. That's basically the website dedicated to Project Blue Book. Uh, we've also got archives.gov. Uh, we got vault.fbi.gov. Uh, we got history.com, uh, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a ton of stuff out there. Uh, some of these things are actually put up by the FBI, as I had mentioned, FBI.gov. So check it out, guys. It's up to you to uh, kind of do your own research. We can only give you so much information, and we, but we can't actually make up your mind for you. Right. So, you know, after listening to the show, fill us in on what you think. What are your thoughts about this whole thing? Uh, are extraterrestrials real? Do you believe that in the magic? results... Yeah, yeah, in magic. Do you believe in magic? <laughs> um, <laughs> do you believe in the end results uh, of Project Blue Book and some of the things that we come across and the fact that there are indeed 90% of the sightings for UFOs to have been debunked? And if so, do you think that's real or true? And what about the other 10%? Do you think those are fully un, just unidentifiable? Or do you think there it is proof of alien life, the fact that they are unidentifiable? Please, folks, though, I mean, for this in this case, if you're going to comment on some of these things, get, send us your proof as well. Right. Because we're research-based. So send us your proof as well. If you do truly believe that aliens are real, send us what proof you have of those aliens. Uh, and of course, you know, obviously, if you just believe that aliens are real, that's fine. You know, you can let us know that too. Um, right, but, but don't have, like don't give us a bunch of information and then not tell us where you you're quoting it from or where you got it from because then all it is is your opinion, really. Uh, yeah. If you cannot back it up with any any information, which we have finally started doing for you guys, pr- providing the websites that we're using for our research. Uh, if you can't do that, then all people are going to say is, well, that's your opinion. You're allowed to your opinion. You can't show me any proof. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. 
one one thing I wanted to comment on is I, I wonder where the government comes up with their project names. <laughs> Yeah. First, know. first one was sign, sign or signs. Which one was mm-hmm. it? Sign. Uh, the first one was sign, and then the next one was grudge. I'm like, right. so they saw the sign, then they had a grudge because they saw the sign, and then they came up with blue book. I, I right. there's like no synchronicity <laughs> between the names, so yeah. it's kind of well, interesting. I, I think it's part of another project that they that they have ongoing since right. the early days called uh, Project Give Project Names. Um, <laughs> and in that project, they do research to figure out exactly what the best name is for a particular project. <laughs> we have yet to declassify that information, but that's just something I'm throwing out there as a hunch. Well, so, at least with like hurricanes. Uh, tropical storms they use like human names right <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah interesting stuff i mean uh i i mean i guess i can look at it from this perspective that they kept it the secret to not create mass hysteria which in a sense does create even more problems because then they're keeping stuff from the public so the public is like they're keeping stuff from us. What else are they not telling us? Right. So, but, uh, like this compared to, uh, the MK ultra project mm-hmm. that the CIA conducted, at least this was, even though done in secret, they were just following up on cases that were based on UFO sightings, not, mm-hmm drugging people without them knowing and then them completely having a psychological breakdown. Right. So, well, and one thing I do want to mention though, too, because I think a lot of people are confused that based on plot project blue book, I think people had this misinterpretation based on that video that came out a couple of months ago, but on other with things the alien, too, that, you mean? Yeah. With the alien that the air force actually conducted interviews with alien species but that wasn't the point of Project Blue Book. Project Blue Book was simply based on the unidentified flying objects, not based on the personnel of those objects. So, I, and I these were based that, on sightings. It wasn't even right, based on sightings. It wasn't even actually based on their them, own, yeah, right. You know, whatever they if they capture anything or whatever. This was just based on eyewitness accounts mostly, mm-hmm. uh, or reports that were done by government officials or military officials, so on and so forth. So that's something to keep in mind. So when you do come across something that says Project Blue Book and there's an alien involved, I would question it. But so one check for the U.S. government. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's about all we got for Project Blue Book, guys. As Eric said, I do encourage you guys to do the research before you come to your final conclusion. We will provide you with the research that we came across. There's tons more out there. You have to weed through the uh, false reports and everything else to kind of get to it. Uh, I, I'll even provide a uh, link to the video that we're talking about because if you guys have not seen it, it's actually a really interesting video. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what you guys' thoughts are. Again, if you want to contact us, Put it in the comments on YouTube or on Spreaker. Uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter. As Eric said last week, just Google Paratruth Radio. You will find us. And we would love to hear from you guys. Uh, as I said last week, if you want a shout-out from us on the show, if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you have ideas, let us know what you guys are thinking you want to hear. So uh, any final thoughts before we head out for the evening? No, I think I'm good. I'm, I've cleared my entire conscience. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So next week, guys, I have not told Eric about this, but we will uh, be having on uh, BJ Hodges and a couple of his team members from the group, Bluegrass Ghost Chasers. We actually met them last year at Scarefest. Uh, well, we met BJ at Scarefest. So we'll be having them on to talk about their investigations and what have you. And again, guys, ghosts, ghosts, ghosts. So be happy that we're bringing you ghosts. Well, no, let me rephrase that. Stories about ghosts. Uh, 
I don't want to be accused of, you guys brought a ghost in my house. How dare you? Um, <laughs> Is that how they all talk? Is that how our listeners talk? Um, most of them. <laughs> no, no, just the women. <laughs> now I'm going to get a bunch of hate mail. Um, so on that note, folks, until next week, where you'll see us, same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Parachutes Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, parachutesradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs)